All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first installment of the IDS Baseball Podcast of the 2019 season. Pleased to have you joining us for what should be a fun season of breaking down all things IU baseball. My name is Stefan Kreischnik, one of the IU Baseball Beat Reporters, and I'm joined by my fellow beat reporter, Jared Rigdon. What's up, Jared? I'm doing fine. Just trying to stay warm. Uh, lucky for the team this weekend, they get to head out to uh, Knoxville and get out of Bloomington for a couple days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm certainly jealous of them being able to enjoy some warmer weather. I mean, Tennessee's not the warmest of places right now, but it's certainly a lot warmer than Bloomington is. But uh, let's get to it. IU Baseball sits at 2-1 and one on the season after a series at Memphis last weekend. Uh, starting pitching certainly led the way for IU in what was a solid start to the regular season. Now, Jared and I did a positional breakdown of the team that you can check out on IDSnews.com, but we can talk a little bit about that now. Let's start with the pitching staff that I mentioned earlier. Jared, I mean, based off this first weekend, what we saw from the team, I know it's still a little early to tell, but what do you expect from IU pitching this year? Well, I think we all kind of knew coming into the season that Paulie Milto was going to give you his best night in, night out. He's now the Friday night starter for uh, Jeff Mercer's ball club. But the top the top end of this pitching rotation is very solid. You got Milto, you got Tanner Gordon now coming in from John A. Logan, and you got Tommy Sommer. But the bullpen itself is also very solid. You got Cal Kruger, Bochamp, Matt Lloyd back there, Sal Frank. So this is a very solid top to bottom pitching rotation and bullpen. Yeah, I mean, going off of that, we saw Tommy Sommer kind of go in there on this Sunday roll. I think going into the year, that Saturday-Sunday roll was kind of fluctuating. No one was really certain on what they would get. Uh, I think there was high hopes on Tanner Gordon. I think the team's going to ride with him here. But uh, in terms of Tommy Sommer on this Sunday roll, certainly impressed his first time out against uh, Memphis. The team threw a shutout against Memphis in that final game. So what did you like that you saw from him in that first outing? Oh, he's calm and composed. I mean, obviously it's tough to go out there in the cold weather and the rain. Uh, and produced the way he did, but he went, uh, I believe, six strong innings. Um, uh, just an all-around all solid performance for a guy that only made uh, a couple starts last season. I mean, there was a lot of question marks heading into the season about that Sunday spot. Jeff Mercer wasn't very sure about who he was going to put there, but before the se- before the uh, first series, he decided, I'm going to go with Sommer, and, and he produced as well as you can hope for and uh, didn't allow a run and gave the IU a chance to win the ball game, which they ended up doing. Yeah, I think last year, looking at Summer, the way he pitched his freshman season, certainly got some time in that Sunday role, got some time in that midweek role. And I, I think he was impressive, but he wasn't quite there yet. He was more of a guy that you would have as a long reliever if your pitching staff was, was very strong. But he's certainly impressed. And IU, I mean, last year they were seventh in the nation in Team ERA. So this is a pitching staff that's certainly very capable. And I think adding a piece like Tanner Gordon could be huge. We saw him Saturday. I believe he only went four innings. Uh, but that's that's not really much of a concern at this point of the season. I mean, it's still early in the season. Not everyone is Paulie Milto that can go out there and throw seven yeah. innings in his, in his first outing. So what do you like that uh, – what have you seen from Tanner going into the season from his uh, JUCO days that you kind of saw transition into his first start that could make him a viable Saturday, spa- Saturday starter? Well, he's a very dominant power pitcher, throws really hard, mid-90s. Uh, has a really good command for his fastball. And, and Mercer kind of talked about – I mean, weather forced them to play a doubleheader Friday. I mean, you have Tanner Gordon sitting in the dugout in the first game, 20-degree weather, and he's just trying to stay warm. But there, there's not much you can do to try and keep yourself upbeat, up and ready before you had to head out and pitch that second game. So Mercer was really impressed with what he saw, especially for his first Division One start. Uh, and he's only going to continue to get better as the season goes on, as the weather gets a little bit warmer. Uh, he put IU at a good chance to uh, win that ball game. A couple things didn't go their way in the middle of that game. Uh, but Gordon's a top-to-bottom, solid pitcher, really good command of the fastball, and throws really hard. And he's just a smart baseball player, which is exactly what Milto is, what Tommy Summer is. But 
IU needs smart baseball players, and they get that out of uh, Tanner Gordon. Yeah, and here's his full stat line from that uh, Saturday start. Four innings pitched, three hits, one earned run allowed, uh, one walk and six strikeouts. I think that's one thing that kind of puts into puts into a picture of what he could produce. I mean, six strikeouts in four innings while only giving up one walk is pretty impressive. That shows that you got some movement on that pitch, you got some power pitches, but you also got some decent control, which is what this team might have struggled with a few times last year. So certainly a good role there for Tanner Gordon. Uh, and then coming out of the bullpen, I think one thing we saw is IU going back to Cal Kruger in the eighth inning. Uh, that's kind of the guy to share up the role for whether or not Matt Lloyd ends up coming into the ninth or not. Uh, what did you see from Kruger this weekend and last season that you think makes him a very viable pitcher coming out of the bullpen late in games? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Mercer talked a lot about the confidence that he has in Cal Kruger. There's that that one guy that you want to lean on that you know you can go to in any situation, and Cal Kruger is one of those guys that's going to give you solid innings out of the bullpen. He's going to make 40, uh, 30, 40 appearances throughout the season in different roles most likely. So that's something you like to see is a guy that comes in, has pitched in that role before, is confident in what he can do with the ball, and confident that he can pitch well whether there's no runners on or one of the whether the bases are juiced in the eighth or the ninth inning. So uh, Mercer's got a couple guys, and Kruger is one of them that he can rely on at any situation, at any time of the ball game. That's going to allow him to spell Milto and Summer and Tanner Gordon, so they're not burning all their innings early in the season, and so that they can save them for potential tournament run. Yeah, and I think another guy out of the bullpen that we saw quite a bit of this weekend was Connor Manis. And last year, every time I'd mention Connor Manis, uh, Cam Drummond, who was our baseball reporter yeah. alongside me last year, would mention that I'm always throwing in a region rat in there. So I'll give a region yeah, rat shout out, Monster, Monster Native, Monster Native Connor Manis. He, he last year he was a a player that kind of fluctuated in and out of that midweek starter role and was used more of a long reliever as the season went on. But, I mean, this weekend we saw him pitch three innings. He gave up one hit, one walk uh, in those two appearances that he made. So, I mean, they have a couple midweek games coming up after this weekend's series with Tennessee. Is is that a guy that alongside B-Champ you, you anticipate to have in there? Yeah, I feel like this is a guy that um, can pitch in a variety of different roles. They've seen him, what he could do last year. He's really impressed, especially in the weeks leading up to the start of the season. Uh, he's a guy that you have a lot of confidence to go out there and make a solid midweek start compared to like a freshman, um, like a um, like a Braden Tucker. He's a guy that you can go out there and with as a sophomore, a couple games under his belt already as a freshman. He's going to be able to go out there and make a solid midweek start against a team like a Cincinnati or a Kent State and give you a solid inning. So you're not, you're not burning your top four or five guys in the rotation, but at the same time, he can give you that start and also come back on Saturday and Sunday and give you solid innings in the sixth or seventh inning against a Big Ten Conference team or against a, a team early in the season like Coastal Carolina or Washington. Yeah, I mean, Manis even listed as a sophomore on the roster. I mean, he had initially planned on going to Miami, Florida to play baseball. Then last year came, played his first season at IU, and impressed for someone that was playing playing his first season of collegiate baseball. But he's been around collegiate baseball a little bit longer than it may appear. So I think that's someone that has a composure, has the ability to be that midweek guy for Mercer and his team uh, in his first season uh, coaching the team. So I think that the, the pitching staff itself from top to bottom is, is very viable very something something that the team can lean on going into the season uh, as the batting order might struggle, struggle, which they produced runs this weekend, but maybe a bit too many strikeouts, you would say? Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely, especially in the second game, obviously. I mean, you don't plan on playing doubleheaders, and especially in that kind of weather. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're shifting the lineup around a lot. He's trying to 
uh, get pieces in there, get people some uh, at bats. He talked about playing to the uh, the matchup. Um, so whether it's a lefty on the mound, whether it's a righty, Memphis kind of went that lefty righty lefty uh, rotation this weekend. So that's a lot to uh, to game plan for. But yeah, if they can get solid innings out of their top three guys and not have to burn their their bullpen, it leaves it leaves uh, leeway. So if you get a and if you start out of a Gordon or a Summer, that you have guys like Manis and Bochamp and then Kruger and Lloyd in the back end that haven't had to burn too many innings early in the season and that they're given rest and their ability to come in and give you three or four innings if they need to. Yeah, and then one bright spot definitely for the team this weekend, and I think we probably expected this, is the play of Matt Gorski. I mean, this weekend he had a home run, three RBIs, four runs uh, scored. So, I mean... Matt Gorski is a player that's making his way up up most of the draft boards. Uh, him alongside Logan Kalitha are two slots in the outfield that are absolutely secured. I mean, they secured those yeah. spots last year, definitely going into this year, with a few guys rotating in that third spot. So what do you think fans should expect from that outfield group this season? I mean, this is going to be their top-level production. This is like your most your most experienced group outside of that left field spot. We see all Gorski transition over to right field. I think him in right field gives Mercer a little bit more confidence on defense with those deep balls into the gap or those those plays in the right field or you have to make play uh, plays the second or third or even home. Uh, but this is your most productive area of your lineup. Kalitha and Gorski, your two top hitters for average uh, and two of your better power hitters, honestly. Uh Gorski led the third game off with a home run, second pitch of the ball game. That really just set the tone. You could tell that IU was going to take that game. Uh, and that's because he struggled in the second game, and he came up limping with an injury, a little bit of tightness. Uh, nothing to worry about there, though, according to Mercer. But, yeah, Kalitha and Gorski. Uh, and then you see guys like uh, uh, Elijah Dunham and Jake Skrine and guys that are playing those other those other roles uh, are starting to produce as well. So this is definitely a an area that you're going to see a lot of production out of. Yeah, so you mentioned Jake Fry and Elijah Dunham, two guys that they're kind of be filling in that left field role. Uh, Drew Ashley is more of an infielder, but could certainly play that role. Oh, yeah. Drew Ashley can literally play anywhere for IU baseball. He was recruited as a catcher, uh, played mostly infield. He could play some outfield. Uh, last year when Chris Lamonis was the coach for IU, he had mentioned that if it came to a situation where they needed a position player to pitch, that sure, Drew, Ashley, him, yeah. Drew Ashley would be the guy. So certainly another option in the outfield that the team has. Uh, I mean, would you argue that the outfield is going to be the most productive uh, position outside, I mean, offensively for this team? I think it will because it's going to be the one area that you, you know you're going to have a set group of guys. The infield has already... We already we're gonna see a bunch of different combinations out there in the infield outside of maybe Matt Lloyd at at, at first or in the DH role, uh, and Jeremy Houston at shortstop. There's gonna be a lot of shifting going around with uh, guys like Cade Bennell and Cole Barr, Justin Walker. So the outfield is a pretty set group and a set group that you can rely on. Gorsi's a junior, Khalifa's a senior, and the other guys that are playing the outfield positions are uh, sophomores or uh, maybe freshmen like Scrine. But like, yeah, this is obviously gonna be one of your top level production values is going to be relying on Gorski and Khalifa out of those two of those top three roles in the lineup. Yeah, and then obviously going back to Gorski, I mean, going into this season, he's been at the top end of most draft boards looking at a first or second round Number pick. 32 prospect, draft eligible prospect by perfect game heading into the season. Yeah, so that's certainly, I mean, watching him last year, that is, Gorski is not only is a great baseball player, he's an outstanding athlete and mm-hmm. brings something to this team that not a lot of teams in the Big Ten have. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's been projected in some polls to be the best player in the Big Ten to win Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, just how good do you think he can be this year for IU? Well, this thing is, 
if you look at Gorski and, and top to bottom, he may be your best base stealer, your best power hitter, and your best hitter for average. And you can't look at many guys, even around the country, that you can say, oh, he's going to lead my team in those three categories, and their team is still going to be a contender. And you might see one team that has a really good player, but the rest of their team is not good. This is a team where Gorski is so good that he can do all this, and you can still get production from other guys. So I think as Gorski, they're going to pitch around him a lot because a lot of teams know, oh, this guy is going to be able to hit the ball hard. But he's leading off right now. Uh, they kind of like him in that role, especially with Jeremy Houston in the nine hole. Kind of sets uh, Gorski uh, and Justin Walker and Kalitha up uh, one, two, three right there. But Gorski's going to be productive no matter where he hits in the lineup, no matter what position he's playing, or no matter who's on the on the mound. He's just one of those baseball players that you know knows the game of baseball, loves the game of baseball, and has shown in the past that he can produce no matter what. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. Obviously, there's a lot of great prospects in baseball. I mean, you got people in high school, you got people in college that are they're mm-hmm. going into the draft. But oh, yeah. Gorski might be one of the few players I would consider close to a five-tool player. I mean, oh, he, not only 100%. can he steal bases, hit for power, hit for average. Uh, he's got he's great in the field. He'll chase down any fly ball that comes his way, and he's got a great arm. I mean, putting a guy like that in right field, you have yeah, to have yeah, a great that arm. That shows the confidence that Mercer has. I believe he had perfect fielding percentage last year. I mean, this is probably I use I mean, this is. I think definitely I use best prospects since Kyle Schwarber, who was an unprecedented mm-hmm. prospect uh, back when he came out of college. But this is definitely uh, their top prospect in terms of uh, in terms of the MLB draft since Kyle Schwarber, which is saying something. It puts him in a yeah, upper that's echelon. A, that's of, elite of, class of, to yeah, be it's an elite class to be in. That's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, between Kalitha and Gorski, there was one error last year made by them. Yeah. So, I mean, that center field and that right field spot for IU Those are baseball pretty, this pretty season. secure down there. Yeah, pretty secure. Um, kind of going off of that, I mean, last year we saw Kalitha a lot. I mean, Kalitha, not a lot, was always the lead, leadoff guy for yeah, the team. Yeah. This year, he's been playing, uh, or Mercer's had him in the Third slot in the lineup had Gorski leading off. What are your thoughts on that and how Gorski, or should I say Mercer, has stacked up this lineup for IU so far? Well, I really like what he's doing. Uh, the top four of, of Gorski, Walker, Kalitha, and Lloyd were the most productive. But having Jeremy Houston in that nine hole and, and Drew Ashley there in that eight hole, those are two guys that he talked about a lot that are table setters that they are able to hit for consistency and hit for average no matter where they are in the lineup. So putting them in that eight and that nine hole, that allows them to set the table for Gorski to come up with runners on, and that's what Gorski does best is driving runners in. He's going to put the ball in place somewhere, and if you have two guys that can run the run the bases well like Houston and Ashley, having Gorski and then Walker and then Kalitha, one, two, three with guys on, that's going to put a lot of runs on the board for IU this year. And Jeremy Houston is one of those guys that he talked about being one of the more improved hitters on the ball club. Having them in nine hole, that becomes a second leadoff hitter. I mean, Mercer said the leadoff hitter hits leadoff one time a game. So mm-hmm. having other guys that are able to, to get on and, and put yourself in a position to get runs, that's that's going to increase the chances of you winning the ball game. I think that also shows the different type of coaching style that Mercer brings in as a younger coach. I think mm-hmm. what we're seeing a lot more around, especially Major League Baseball, is you're no longer having those traditional leadoff guys. I mean, when I think of a leadoff guy, I think of someone like Juan Pierre. Oh, Juan Pierre. Yeah, Juan yeah. Pierre is like a great leadoff guy. Like he has no power, but he's really fast. 350 probably... average, one home run, maybe 20 RBIs. Yeah, but he's, he's going to steal a ton of bases, bases and get a ton of runs scored. And I think when you look at the IU roster, if you were to think of a traditional leadoff guy, you would think of someone more like Kalita, maybe like Jeremy Houston, Justin yeah. Walker. But I think Mercer's taking that younger approach of, hey, Matt Gorski is far and away your best hitter and far and away your best baseball player on this team. Put him in that leadoff spot. Let get him, him more be at bats. Yeah, get him more at bats. I mean, why Why would you want 
him getting less at bats if he's if he's your best player. I think that's the approach a lot of teams are seeing. I mean, last year we we've been seeing a lot of Anthony Rizzo batting leadoff. We've seen Bryce Harper bat leadoff, not consistently yeah, yeah, I mean, like we're going to see Gorski, but a, a different trend. Yeah, but in there's baseball. a trend starting to head that way, and I I really like that. I I I think it's smart. I think it's a good approach by Mercer, and it's it, it's interesting to see him. Uh, come into this new situation and kind of just be willing to take that new role and yeah. say, this is how my style of coaching is going to be, and let's just carry on with that. So I, I like that approach. But uh, we've discussed the outfield. we discussed uh, the pitching staff. So that leaves us with only the infield. A lot, of, As you mentioned earlier, a lot of pieces that can rotate. Uh, so what's something that you're going to be keeping an eye on this year? Kind of that, uh, that middle infield combination. I, I mean, Houston seems pretty dead on being the shortstop, very consistent shortstop, for, and he's a senior, big leader. Uh, and you got you got guys like uh, Justin Walker. Uh, you got Cole Barr. Cole Barr, who played really well at third base, I was really impressed. He's not a traditional third baseman, but he went over, played that role at the hot corner, and made a couple diving plays to save him a couple runs in the first couple games. Uh, so having Barr and Walker in the infield to join Lloyd Houston and then Ryan Feynman, who's just about as solid as he gets behind the plate, uh, who struggled offensively, but he's gonna figure it out. Uh, obviously, a tough weekend to be catching uh, in that kind of weather, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of moving pieces in the infield. But once they kind of settle on a, a set lineup that can play the matchups and play solid defense, it's going to be an all around solid group. Yeah, I'll, I'll just correct you on one thing you mentioned. Uh, Jeremy Houston, he's a junior, not a oh, senior. Oh, junior, my bad. But yeah. but nonetheless, he's, been he's definitely for a <laughs> yeah, he's definitely one of the leaders on a team, even as a junior. Uh, and he's kind. I, I think we saw last year, and even in his freshman season. Lamonis kind of wanted Jeremy Houston to lock down that shortstop role. He struggled mm-hmm. a little bit, got benched. Walker took that role, fluctuated a little bit towards the end of the season, but at the at the very late end of the season, going into this season, I think it's shown again that this team wants Jeremy Houston to be a consistent shortstop uh, for the team. And Mercer had mentioned that in the offseason, he saw a lot of offensive improvement yeah. from Jeremy. How You had mentioned this earlier with having Jeremy at the bottom of the lineup, but just how important is Jeremy Houston offensively for this team? Oh, he's crucial. I mean, this is a guy that puts fear into your pitcher on the bases. He's going to make – and with if Jeremy Houston gets on, whether it be walk, whether it be hit – I mean, he hit 200 this weekend, two hits, uh, but he also had a, a walk, uh, and he had uh, a couple of total – a couple bases, and he was just – he was just a nuisance to the pitchers on the mound. I mean, when you do that, you got a pitcher worrying about where he's going to put the ball, and he's got Gorski right after him and Justin Walker. That's going to give him a lot of hittable pitches and a lot of pitches that they can put in play and get Houston around those bases pretty quickly. Yeah, I think a number for Jeremy Houston that might be more important than his batting average is certainly his on-base percentage. Yeah. I mean, getting him on base in front of Gorski, Walker, Kalitha, Lloyd is is going to be huge. And uh, mentioning Lloyd there uh, – a lot of second base last year. Probably going to see a lot of first base this year. Probably some designated hitter as Scotty Bradley gets more playing time against righty arms. Uh, and then we know, I mean, Matt Lloyd not only is a great offensive threat, a great defensive player, but he's also an outstanding yeah. pitcher coming in the ninth inning as Very a team. Reliant, uh, as a reliable team. closer, that's for sure. Yeah, so what, what do you think we can expect from him this season in terms of the amount of pitching time he's going to get? Uh, I mean, last year his pitching, or his time on the mound, I should say, went on as the season progressed, I mean, it, it kept growing, uh, and you def- that's definitely with an arm in the field that much. That's an arm that you kind of want to save uh, in terms of pitching as the season goes on for those bigger games, those regional games that yeah, we yeah. saw him pitch last season. So, coming out of the bullpen, what do you expect from him? I think he's going to be a solid, solid back of the line guy, and you got guys in front of him that are going to allow him just to come in and do his job. What he does is throw hard and and get people out and secure those wins. He gets. Kruger in front of him, uh, 
whether it be Amanis or Sloan or Sal Frank, there's guys in front of him that are going to set him up to be successful, and he's going to come in and, and shut them down. I mean, that's what he does. He just throws hard, and he and he gets uh, his team out of the jams that they need to get out of. Yeah, and this infield, I mean, certainly, I mean, with outfield as well too, but this infield with so many different players being able to play so many different roles, certainly going to set Lloyd up for some situations where he's going to get time to pitch. And if, if IU does come in a situation where we didn't really see this much last year, but where they want to maybe rest Lloyd, yeah. I mean, if you want to put Scotty Bradley in that first base, that's yeah, you more got, than a viable option. You can put Scrine in there. you got Sam Crail. got a, a couple a couple different catchers that can go over there and play first base. White Cross. Yeah, White Cross. I mean, you got quite a few guys that can play first base when, when Matt Lloyd doesn't need to be over there or if you need to give him a break because he's doing so many different things with his team. He's hitting fourth. He's putting the ball into play. He's driving runs in, but at the same time, you got to make sure if it's a tight ball game that you have him arrested. He's not out there uh, diving for balls at first base when he's got to come in and throw uh, some crucial pitches in the ninth inning. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that we've heard Mercer and some players mention throughout the years, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> when you have a team with this, this much depth, there's going to be a lot of people competing for different roles, which is going to make other players step up. I mean, if you're a player like Scotty Bradley that's maybe that probably would be a starter, a consistent starter on most teams, is going to fluctuate in playing time this year, uh, that's something that's just going to motivate you motivate you to play better, want to get in there, get some more playing time. Uh, what do you what do you think we could see from him this year? A solid solid utility player. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna fill in a lot of places. Uh, he's gonna be able to get you uh, get a couple hits, get you on base, uh, and just make strong plays throughout the lineup, no matter where he is. I mean, we saw fourteen position players get at bats this weekend, so there's definitely a lot of at bats going around, and there's a lot of opportunities going around. So if he can secure himself uh, as a it's a traditional utility role. IU likes to use those utility roles. They really like their players to move around a mm-hmm. lot. So he's going to be able to come in and and do a lot of things from Jeff Mercer. And he, he played in all three games this weekend. At four at bats, didn't record a hit, but, uh, I mean, he got a walk. Uh, he was getting on base. He was making plays in the field. So that's that's what you really can expect from him is gets me a traditional utility player and really help out Jeff Mercer in different roles. Yeah, now upcoming for IU is a three-game series with Tennessee uh, it, it's still early in the season. We don't really know much about Tennessee. I doubt IU knows much about Tennessee at this point. But do you think we can expect just more of the same this weekend from IU? Oh, I definitely think that uh, f- Friday night, Milto is just gonna is gonna be continue to be dominant. I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to look too much into it this season. But I mean, Tennessee hasn't allowed a run yet. But at the same time, they had a three game series against Appalachian State and then a midweek game against Northern Kentucky. So two not powerhouse schools. Two yes, very non non baseball schools. Um, <laughs> so I mean, look what you want, but IU's going to have to start swinging the bats a little bit better because this is still an SEC ball club. They still recruit the same SEC talent that a Georgia or an Ole Miss is recruiting. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether they're the top of the SEC like LSU or Vandy, or at the bottom like Tennessee was last year, it's still SEC. You still got to come out and play your A game, and you're going to get good starting pitching this weekend. I assume they're going to go with the same three guys. Um, but you're going to have to swing the bass a little bit better because this team obviously doesn't give up a lot of runs, but IU has the potential to put some uh, balls in play, get some runs out there, uh, and hopefully, I mean, if, if, if IU goes, if everything goes according to plan for IU, hopefully they get themselves a sweep because, I mean, this is this kind of series that you need to take, uh, especially early in the season, help the, help the RPI out later in the year. Do you think, or were you a little bit surprised by the strikeout numbers in, in that first series? Because we had talked a lot about Logan Sowers and Luke Miller leaving the team. Those are 
your top two power bats from last season leaving. So a little less power in this lineup this year, probably more contact. Yeah. So I was a little bit surprised by the strikeout numbers. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I was too, but at the same time, like I mean, you hate to say, oh, the weather had such an impact, but at the same yeah, time, you're playing a, playing a doubleheader on a Saturday in February in <laughs> the cold rain of Memphis. I mean, it's not <laughs> exactly the most ideal of conditions. And you got a lot of guys that didn't play in the first game, but then were suddenly in the lineup in the second game, or guys that played the whole first game and were still in the lineup the second game. So there was a lot of adjustment period, especially in that cold weather. Uh, I think that was a, it was it raised some eyebrows, uh, especially for guys like Gorski who had four strikeouts, Walker or Cole Barr who had eight strikeouts on the weekend. Not exactly the most productive of offensive weekends for him, but this is something that will it's just going to continue to get better once they get more reps, once you get in the plate twenty, thirty more times, once you. Once you see a lot more pitches, it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna come all back to you. You're gonna start putting more balls in play, and eventually stuff's gonna start falling in the outfield that wasn't falling last weekend. So, do you think that as the weather maybe gets warmer, that we're gonna see a lot less strikeouts out of this team? You should. Once they, I mean, they're gonna make a trip to uh, Coastal Carolina to play in that. That should be pretty nice weather. They make a trip to Washington. I mean, who knows what you get out of that? But then come late March, April, you're gonna start to see a lot more productivity out of this team. And I think we did last year. Um, they they had a couple games where they were putting up 15, 16 runs. So it's definitely a ball club that is, is going to be able to hit the ball. And I think it's just a matter of letting them settle into the new season, settle them into this new lineup and this new coach, uh, and they're going to start to figure things out. Well, for those of you that agree with Jared, here's the forecast for Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend. Uh, 50 degrees and 100% chance of rain Friday. Uh, we got 67 degrees and a 70% chance of rain Saturday, and then 56 and sunny on Sunday. So we might not get all three games in this weekend. We could likely see. We might be seeing another doubleheader. Yeah, this I think that Saturday weather is going to be very dependent. Uh, if, uh, if I'm if, not mistaken, I believe Tennessee is a new turf field, which could help them out a little bit. But still, I mean, you don't want to play in a torrential downpour with lightning. It's still not the most ideal conditions to play in. So. Uh, we'll see whether they get those games in this weekend. It would be nice for them because, I mean, anytime you get to go play an SEC ball club, that's always nice if you uh, do wonders for your confidence. Yeah, you can it's get good a RPI. Victory. It's yeah. good RPI for later in the year. And, I mean, thanks for that turf breakdown. I'll be the weather guy. You'll be the turf guy for the rest of the year. Lindsay, How Lindsay Nelson Stadium was renovated. Uh, yeah, they're converting from natural grass, natural grass to field turf. I'm not sure if that's completed yet or not. Uh, but uh, if they keep have, an eye out for it yeah, this weekend, look look for the turf. That may be a, a a deal breaker whether they get all three games in here this weekend. All right, well, Jared, I think uh, we've covered everything we could have uh, had to break down for what to look for this season. Uh, kind of just to close it out, what do you think a real realistic expectation for the team is this season? The the Big Ten's not as solid as it has been in, in past years. They have I agree. a couple of good ball clubs in Michigan and Minnesota, but we even saw Minnesota struggle this weekend. And, I mean, Michigan really didn't have much of a challenge at all this weekend. Yeah. So, uh, But this is a solid ball club top to bottom with pitching. Uh, if you continue to get productivity out of your top three or four starters, which you know you will out of Milto, um, but if Summer and Tanner Gordon continue to produce at the same level they have been and the offense starts to get rolling, which it will, I mean, this you're looking at a a most bona fide regional team, a, a potential two seed maybe. I don't think they get as high as a one mm-hmm. just because they're not going to have a chance for as many quality wins as a even like a mid-tier SEC team would or an ACC team. But this is a team that could do some damage come the postseason tournament. It's just going to depend all on the draw, which it usually does. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think regional is very much uh, a realistic expectation for this team. I, I mean, going into the season, aside from – 
Michigan and Minnesota were kind of the top two teams along with IU going into the Big Ten this year. I thought IU had a significantly better roster than both of them. Obviously, Michigan's getting a lot more national respect in the rankings. Mm -hmm. They're top 15 in most rankings. So I could see IU at some point, if it can get the wins it needs early on in the season. I mean, they have that, that tournament in Seattle is going to be a chance for some very yeah, quality Yeah, Oregon wins. State, Washington, two college, and then a San Diego team that was ranked top 15 when they took three or four at them from them last year. Um, so they just what they can't do is is start slow in Big Ten again. They 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 struggled so much in Big Ten play last year, and well, I don't know whether it was due to um, just a lack of confidence or they were just getting flat out beat. But that really killed them down the stretch, and then it put them in that really difficult Austin Regional that had a Texas A and M as a three seed, which yeah. is still kind of weird <laughs> because Texas A and M was a very good ball club, and then Texas was a national seed. So uh, they just got to start strong in Big Ten play uh, and. Just beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Can't drop games to Butler or Kent State or Canisius. Uh, you can't drop those kinds of games. Yeah, I falter a little bit late in the Big Ten season, and, and they lost two of their three games that they played in the Big Ten tournament. So going into the regional, they were they were on the wrong side of the momentum. They had mm-hmm. very little momentum, probably very little confidence as a team. And I mean, they played very well in that regional. They pushed Texas in that final game. Yeah, I mean, South to, Frank, uh, gave them quite the ball game. Had they not just uh, just gotten manhandled in that first game against Texas A&M maybe it's a different ball game the, sec- the, the first time they play Texas instead of having to play them in the beat them twice in the regional final uh, but I mean there was a lot of momentum building with Milto's excellent start and then Sal Frank's uh, pretty good start against Texas in the regional final yeah so I mean like we both mentioned we both expect IU to be in a regional this year towards the, at least I mean, would you say at least top three of the Big Ten I, I would have to say I mean no one else has proven otherwise. Yeah. Ohio State did look good this weekend with uh, Lawrence North Wildcat, Garrett Burhan, freshman, uh, Big Ten freshman of the week. There it is. There's uh, your region and Lawrence North yeah, references. Of the day. We're going to wrap that up after that. Yeah, we met that. our quota. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, Jared and I hope you uh, – or well, Jared, I hope you enjoyed discussing IU baseball with me because oh, yeah. we're going to have a lot more of this this mm-hmm. year. Uh, and I hope you, the listeners, as well, enjoyed our discussions today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we are always looking for input. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at skrajnik3. That's S K R A J I S N I K three, and at Rigdon Jared. And let us know what's your what's on your mind regarding IU baseball. We love your input and see what you have to say. So uh, thanks again, and we look forward to being back next week.